welcome back to another episode of the Medicine of Art podcast. Today we have a very special guest, Erica, a board certified dance slash movement specialist. So um, in order to kind of get things rolling, would you mind introducing yourself to our audience? Sure. Uh, my name is Erica Hornthal. I'm a board certified dance movement therapist and um, I practiced uh, clinical counseling also in the state of Illinois. So for about the last 12 years, um, I've been seeing individuals, running some group programs, also doing work in the community. And um, in 2011, started my own company called Chicago Dance Therapy. And so um, we are very much about bringing dance movement therapy to, in a sense, the masses. Um, you know, it was about making it affordable and accessible and also creating visibility for the field so that people specifically in the Chicagoland area and greater Illinois know what it is and have access to using body-centered psychotherapy. Um, kind of building off of that, um, what made you interested in dance therapy or what kind of led you to dance therapy? When I was in high school, we were starting to think about careers. I remember junior year having, you know, a college career fair. Um, well, I guess both. There were college fairs, there were career fairs. And so, you know, it was kind of along the lines of choosing your college based off of what career you thought you were going to go in. And I very much thought that I had to pursue some type of dance career because if I didn't, then dance would no longer be an option. You know, it would become something that I talked about with my kids 30 years later. Oh, I used to dance or, oh, I took a few dance classes. Um, but I also didn't think that it was going to be a career in terms of, you know, a professional, a choreographer, creative director. I knew my own limits and while I had immense passion for dance, I didn't have the skill set. And it wasn't necessarily because I had been told that. Nobody ever said, you can't do this. It was just a reality. You know, I knew that I didn't have the technique that professionals needed. And I also wasn't necessarily looking to put in the hours and hours and hours of work to get to that level. So it kind of limited me in terms of what I could do with a career in dance. Um, that's not for everybody. Like now we're seeing this day and age where people are really making a career out of whatever it is they're passionate about. But for me, it just didn't feel authentic. So what was presented very early on was, well, you could be a dance studio owner. Um, you know, you could educate kind of like that, those who can't do teach. But that didn't feel right for me either. So what I ended up doing was uh, I went to a school that you could declare yourself as a dance major and then you get evaluated once you're already in the program. So you didn't have to audition to go. Uh, so I declared myself a dance major for like the first four months of school. And then you meet with your director, you meet with the program uh, coordinators and just realistically sit down and talk about how, how the program feels. This is a good fit. You know, we're getting ready to evaluate you. And again, I was really honest and I said, this is great. I love all the dancing. You know, I love that I take a science class and I go dance. I take a math class and I go dance. But what I didn't love was actually the behind the scenes. I didn't really care for the lighting. And um, although it was fun to try on costumes, I wasn't really into creating the costumes, so to speak, and lighting the piece and directing the piece. 
Um, so the coordinator, the director of the program was looking at my, my um, you know, course list and my um, interests. And she said, you know, I see you're taking psychology. What do you think about that? And again, honestly, I was like, well, I heard it was an easy class. But surprisingly, I'm really enjoying it. I'm learning things about the mind and brain that actually come very easy to me and didn't realize that not everybody knows, you know, like different phenomenon that take place or, you know, reading something and thinking, oh my God, I just read about me. <laughs> that sounds like me. Um, and so she said, oh, well, if that's of interest to you and you're really still passionate about creating a field or a career in the dance field, you should look into dance movement therapy. And that was the first I'd ever heard of it. I was a freshman in college. Um, I was shocked and surprised that something like that existed, didn't know what that looked like, but I was also a little, a little taken aback that I had never heard of that field before. And so not only did it push me forward into the career, but I kind of made a promise to myself that I would share that information with anybody and everybody who would listen, because I didn't want other people to necessarily be in the situation I was or for it to be so late down their career path, which is not a problem. I went to school with a lot of people who, you know, made it their second, third, maybe even fourth career, or it was their career in retirement even. Um, but since then, I've talked to so many young people, you know, middle schoolers, high schoolers, again, college age kids who are looking for their next step and graduate school, you know, is, is for them. And so that's what ended up happening. I got my bachelor's in psych, I minored or, or took the equivalency of um, classes as a, as a dance minor, and then went on and got my master's in uh, dance therapy and counseling. That's great. Um, so how would you explain sort of in like layman's terms, uh, what dance therapy is or what it sort of entails? Uh, at the heart of it, because I, Kind of dabble with this a lot and I feel like the definition for me is always evolving ever-changing um, I used to go by the book in terms of what the American Dance Therapy Association says it is um, everybody can can see that if you go to their website you know typically it's the psychotherapeutic use of movement um, to what we call like integrate the individual you know that can be socially cognitively spiritually physically emotionally I was realizing though that not everybody, not everybody understood the word psychotherapy. I and mean, we used to kind of take that word for granted and now we're not hearing it as much. And so people just are a little confused. What is that? Um, and movement, movement means something different for everybody, you know? So is it, are we using exercise for therapy? Do I actually have to be a dancer? So for me, it's very important that I define it based off of the audience that I'm speaking to, but very generally I've, more recently been able to just kind of define it as the use of movement to observe, to assess, and to intervene in the therapeutic relationship. To me, psychotherapy is really about the therapeutic relationship. So it's not about a class. It's not about just a, you know, therapeutic uh, application. It really is within the context of a therapist and a client or a therapist and a group of clients. And that it's not just about moving or dancing, but it's how we use movement. We're using it to, again, observe the individual, to assess our place or what's going on, and then also using movement to intervene. And that big umbrella term movement, I think, lends itself to using more 
interventions, you know, than just saying the word dance. Mm -hmm. Now that you told us a little bit about what dance therapy is, um, why do you think dance therapy is important to be, to spread word about, like, why should people care about dance therapy? Honestly, I think people already do. They just don't realize it. Um, we're seeing this huge influx of body-centered psychotherapies, um, mostly within the context of trauma. And so it's wonderful that people are very in tune or that movement is on their radar in terms of, you know, using it within a trauma-informed context. But I think why it's important is because at the heart of it, most of our communication is in our bodies. You know, only maybe 10% are actually the words we say. And, you know, a small percentage is, is the tone of voice. But so much of it is our actual nonverbal body language and our nonverbal communication. And so it just seems like a disservice to me that when we tell people to, you know, talk about it, go talk to someone about it, that talking doesn't really get most of the problem out in the open and that we can really be holding on to or even hiding a lot of what's going on because it's in our bodies and we're not addressing it. So honestly, like I said, I, th I think a lot of people actually in some way, shape or form are actually participating or really understanding a bit more about what dance movement therapy is. They've just never really heard those terms. So to say, oh, these are some of the things that we employ, or this is what it might look like, I've had people say, oh, oh, that I've actually read about that, you know, or, oh, so it's not really about dancing then. Um, and, and so it's enlightening, but I think it's also allowing people to see how the work is applicable to their needs and mm -hmm. maybe how they're already using it in some context, just not calling it that. Um, how has the current global pandemic affected the dance therapy business? Are you experiencing an increase or decrease in patients? And why do you think that is? I think in general, we're seeing increases because there's a huge need for mental health support. Um, you know, everybody's kind of saying that's the next pandemic. Uh, you know, the pandemic is, is leading, maybe not causationally, but correlationally, you know, increases in depression are occurring, anxiety. Um, you know, I was kind of joking, but it's really no coincidence that people were kind of immediately drawn to TikTok when the pandemic hit, because it wasn't, although it looks like a form of, it, of entertainment, it's also a natural outlet. You know, some people are like, mm -hmm. I'm going crazy, or I'm, you know, not, not, I don't mean mentally crazy, but like, I'm going stir crazy. I'm stuck in this house. I can't do this. I can't do that. My way of life mm -hmm. has completely changed. I'm going to dance it out. And then I'm going to put it on the internet so other people can challenge me, you know? So there was a real need for people to express themselves. So I think with that being said, the need for mental health support and psychotherapy in general is on the rise. Um, there is a bit of kind of a juxtaposition because again, people hear dance or movement and they think, well, how can I do that through Zoom? You know, um, it's possible, you know, people are taking dance classes over Zoom. It's, it's obviously different and it's challenging the way that we create a therapeutic alliance, but it is possible. I mean, I've continued to see all of my clients over telehealth, over Zoom. Um, it's not as easy, but we also will talk on the phone and then it really just becomes about talking to the client and asking them to really try to explain like 
what's happening right now. I can't see you, right? If we're on the phone, I can't see you, but tell me like, what, what does your body look like at this point? How are you sitting? How are you resting? Um, can you describe or communicate in some way what you're feeling in your body as we talk? So I think it's really important. It, it empowers the client to address even more so what their body is feeling and how they need to move or how they're not moving. Um, it requires some more education, obviously, because people are a little hesitant, like how am I supposed to engage in an art, right? If we're not mm -hmm. sharing the same space. But um, again, I think it's really empowering. It's actually a lot of people, I feel like it's allowing them to open up a bit more because whatever judgment may be there, whether it's, you know, fear of being judged in your movement or if you're, you know, doing art therapy and you're, you're afraid of like what somebody might say about the art, which again is not part of the therapy, um, it kind of breaks down that barrier because people are doing it in their own homes or in their own environment where it feels a little less intimidating. So it's possible. It's still happening. I think we're seeing an increase just because people need mental health support. Um, but it's still a challenge for sure. Um, so the next question we have is, if we already practice dance, is there any way we can modify our practice to extract its mental health benefits? I love that question. Yes, definitely. Um, I'm very intentional with how I talk about this because there are counselors for dancers Mm -hmm. That is not how I bill myself. Um, I've worked with a few dancers, but it's not my forte. But what I have been very intentional with is how we can start to use body awareness for mental health. And that's applicable really to everybody, but especially to dancers, because sometimes we get so consumed by the aesthetics or the skill or the perfection or the competition, either with others or ourselves, that we forget to bring our own body awareness into our skill. And so we push ourselves, we overdo it, we injure ourselves, and then it's even harder to um, come back or we re-injure, right? And then it's just harder to kind of keep that pace going. So honestly, whether you're a dancer or not, um, <clears throat> I think dancers have a leg up, <laughs> so to speak, because we're, we're in our bodies. Um, that's good and bad, right? I shouldn't say we're in our bodies. We're using our bodies. Just because we are using our body doesn't mean we are embodied, right? Doesn't mean that we're aware of what's happening in our body as we do this. So whoever is listening, um, you know, whether you're a dancer or not, I think some of the ways that we can hone in on body awareness is just to practice deeply listening, you know, that when we wake up, it's not just about what movement am I going to do today, but how am I already moving? what am I feeling in my body? What physically am I feeling? What emotionally am I feeling? And that can just take a minute or two. You know, it's like people who journal, right? They might set an intention for the day. Instead of just a verbal intention, also set an intention for your body. What am I feeling? What do I want to feel? How can I use my body to help me achieve those goals? Um, and I think if we can just start to become more aware of what our body is doing outside of the dance, so to speak, that we can start to address mental health concerns um, within ourselves. And then if they're too overwhelming, we can reach out and find the, the support and the help that we need. Mm -hmm. And I just want to quickly add on to what you were saying. I feel like, um, you know, dancers are very perfectionist, mm -hmm. uh, like everything, like from the tip of your toes to, you know, your fingertips have to be perfect. <laughs> and sometimes you can get overwhelmed with 
looking at yourself in such a negative light and critiquing every little thing you do from your head to your neck, your shoulders, uh, you know, and I think sometimes like letting go of that and looking really deep inside your body and think feeling and thinking about how you feel in that particular day, not just the way you look physically and your form and your technique is especially important. So I really agree with what you, with what you said. Yeah. And I think we have to give ourselves permission to do that as well, because mm -hmm. um, especially through this pandemic, it's very easy for us to say, Oh, just go to movement. You know, you're a dancer. So just dance it out, dance out your feelings. Mm -hmm. And for so many people that actually becomes really anxiety provoking in itself, because it's like, well, dance is my career and there's stress with that. So why would I turn to that to use an outlet, you know, or that's not how I connect to dance because that isn't how a lot of dancers connect. It's not always a form of expression personally. It's a form of expression professionally and um, physically. And I may be exuding somebody else's emotion right? I'm not dancing from, a, from necessarily my own personal place of emotion. I'm dancing from the choreographer's place of emotion. So it could be a real education piece for us to go inside and understand how we move and how our own emotions come out through our own movement. Um, and so again, rather than thinking of it in terms of a perfect choreography, a perfect piece of movement, what does it look like to just break it down and start moving for ourselves? How do I walk? How do I gesture? How do I posture? How much movement is in my day? And if that's overwhelming, how small can I make my movements? Can I focus on micro movements? You know, stretching my fingers, taking a breath, blinking my eyes. You know, these are things we do all the time. We just, we don't pay attention to them and we don't focus on them in a mm -hmm. um, healthy way. Um. So how can we implement different aspects of dance therapy into our lives in, uh, in order to sort of ease stress and anxiety at home during quarantine? So some of the basics that we do with clients are, again, kind of those micro movements. So some of the things that I like to impart on people outside of sessions, right, are things that again, we'll kind of prime the body to help facilitate emotional expression. So, <clears throat> excuse me, one thing to do is breath, right? Breathing. And you can search the internet for lots of breathing techniques. You can try those. But I think sometimes it's just about noticing our own breath. You know, can you feel it? Are you aware of it? Are you holding it? Where do you feel it? Where don't you feel it? Can you increase it? Can you move it? Can you change it? Do you need to? What does that look like? Um, so just tuning in, noticing our breath. Um, so often we get, you know, like these tense shoulders. It's very hard to breathe when we do that. So if we pay attention to our breath and we're like, oh, it's, oh, it's in my chest. Oh, it's not really moving. Oh, oh, well, my shoulders are really high, of course. So, okay, can I like, can I drop them? Oh, now there's a little bit more space. Oh, now I can breathe into this long. I can breathe into this side. I can breathe into my back. So breathing, number one, um, and you can practice it anywhere. You know, if you're in your apartment, if you're in your house, if you're waking up, right, open your eyes, take a breath, uh, an, an intentional breath. Um, not everybody's doing this, but I would say like if you're in your car, if you're driving somewhere, if you're commuting, if you're on a train, um, take the stops as times to intentionally focus on your breath. So every time I'm in the car, if I'm at a red light, 
I put my feet, you know, down, right? And you can put your car in park or leave your foot on the, the brake, whatever you need to do. And just intentionally breathe. Take a moment to stop, to pause. And then when the light turns green, move on. So breath is, is a big one, definitely. Not um, proprietary to the world of dance movement therapy, but definitely something that we operate from. Another thing that I like to impart is um, moving in different planes. So this idea of stretching up and down, stretching out and across, you know, kind of giving ourselves a hug or opening up our arms as much as we can, and then reaching in like in front of us and behind us. So these are modifications of uh, a movement analysis technique, but just very basically, it's about moving in our kinesphere, you know, and as we're so confined during this pandemic, we're staying in the same place, we're kind of sitting in the same position. It's important to remember that we can look up right? This can be a metaphor for lifting ourselves up, for looking up, for hope. Um, you know, maybe we, we reach down and just allow ourselves to feel heavy for a moment, you know, or just weighted. Um, connection, right? I can connect to myself. I can give myself a hug or I can massage my shoulders, give myself a squeeze. Remember what that feels like because when was the last time I hugged someone, you know, versus opening up and how vulnerable that may be or how opening it may be. So, mm -hmm just starting to look at different ways of how we move. And then lastly, just being very intentional with your movement. So if you're taking a walk outside, let's say to get some fresh air, it's not always about putting a headphone in, you know, or talking to a friend on the phone while I'm walking. Practice very intentional, mindful walking. Notice how your feet touch the ground. Look at the world around you. Take in the sights, take in the smells take in the sounds, you know, and, and just notice, like just doing it for a minute or two can start to be a little overwhelming because we're not used to it. We're so used to zoning out, you know, and, and um, embracing, embracing, but also relying on technology. So kind of getting back to those basics of connecting to the self. So that's, those are all the questions we have for today. Um, thanks so much for joining us today on the Medicine of Art podcast. Remember to ask questions, read research, and be curious. We'll see you guys next week on The Medicine of Art.